0: To Cooper talk welcome to Cooper talk I'm your host Steve Cooper and remember I'm only as hip as my guests and I gotta tell you something people I usually uh, talk a little bit and babble a little bit in the beginning but today I'm going straight to our guest because uh, he's an icon I mean the guy has over five he has 573 IMDB credits 573 he's been a star of stage screen TV music videos Reality shows—he's been on everything—and my guest is the one and only Eric Roberts. How you doing, Eric? I'm great. Thanks
1: for asking. What a nice intro. Thank you so much.
0: Hey, no problem. Now I got to ask you—you you know, you're a guy who's constantly working. Your resume shows it. How are you and the family dealing with the stay home during this pandemic?
1: Well, everything from not being able to go to the gym to, to not being able to instantaneously grocery shop on a whim. To all the stuff that we take for granted, uh, it's we have to reset, and we have to be grownups about it. I heard myself about about two weeks ago complaining all day, and realize what's wrong with me. You know, I'm, everybody's in this boat. Let's have fun with it, and let's share. So I so I so I so I got on Facetime with the whole family, started talking to everybody about what they're doing and how they're doing it, and started having fun with it. And it can be fun. It's an adventure for us, guys. Even though it's an adventure we welcome, it's an adventure nonetheless.
0: Now, how do you think it'll change the Hollywood industry? When we come back from this shutdown, we don't know when it's going to be. We don't know know, when production can roll again. How do you think it will change it? Well, we're going to have to all be grown-ups and uh,
1: realize that when it's over, it isn't really over. It's just subsiding. And it, it's going to change our whole way of socializing. We're going to live on FaceTime. We're going to live with uh, with, uh, with a group chats on the computer. And that's going to be our lives now. And it's going to be our lives up until we know how to eradicate this thing, which is a vaccine, which is 18 months away. That's the time estimate. The real estimate is 24 to 36 months away. But they, but they want to keep it, everybody calm. So they're saying 18 months. But... It's a long process. It's going to change our whole way of life. It's not a vacation into a real neighborhood. We have to deal
0: with it. Now, at what point do you think, or you may have already, do you think you'll you'll stop, uh, you'll, you'll start missing, you know, working on your craft, being an actor, because your whole life has been that. When do you, Are you missing it already, or do you think it'll kick you in the ass down the road a little bit, going, God, I really, really miss this?
1: Well, I'm one of those guys, I love working, and I feel I don't work for a living because I love my work so much. But I work so much that this is like a vacation for me. And my wife yells at me, don't say that. You know, there are people out there that are miserable. There are people out there who have lost their their whole way of life. Don't say that. And I understand what she's saying. But I'm loving this time. I also, the past, like, six years, I've been away from home nine months of the year. So uh so I love being home, my wifey. Uh, my wife comes comes with me about half the time, but half the time she doesn't. And my wife is my world. I love my wifey. So uh, so when I'm at home, I'm happy. So uh so it's a whole different thing for me. But it is getting a little long for
0: my face right now, you know, this this vacation. Now you said, you know, you love your wife and you know you're away from her a lot. What do you think it makes you, what makes you guys work that you can have a relationship where you can be away for that long, even though she comes with you that half the time? I mean, it's half the time she's not with you. What makes your relationship and bond so strong that makes this marriage work so well?
1: Well, you know, before I say that, let, let, let me also say that as much as I love and depend on my wife, there has never been a was has said nastier things. To my wife and her husband. Okay, so 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 you know that our marriage is a real marriage. It's not a fairy tale. Okay, and that being said, uh, 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 I I I I feel that um, what's kept us together is brutal honesty and lots of loving, and uh, the uh, the combination of those of those two things are what works. But you have to learn to be brutally, consistently, always honest. And uh, for a guy like me, you know, that that, that was a trick. <laughs> but I learned how to
0: do it. Now, I want to talk about your great career, but I know you're also, um, your friend started a product called The Rocket. Tell my listeners about that product.
1: Oh, yeah. My buddy's a little bit of a genius. And uh, he came out with this thing that, that I never worried about. But the older I get, the more and the more I Talk to my friends openly about this with without any shame attached. Everybody will talk about it, and that's uh, erectile dysfunction. Now, my buddy, uh, in in these in these um, in these clinics, you could go and you could pay lots of money, and they use sound waves. And uh, what they do is they uh, it's this, it's machine that goes fast and it gets rid of plaque. Now we have plaque in our bloodstream. It's what, it's what, it's what gets away from. our rhythms. It also gets away of our appendage and its and its blood flow. The heart and the appendage have the exact same issues with blood flow. So you open up the blood flow, you have no situation, and you have no bad situation. And uh, and my friend came up with this device that uh, uses sound waves. So you 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 own your own. You have it at home in your privacy on your own schedule. And, um, and quite frankly, I got to tell you guys, I, I kind of scoffed at it and then I started using it and you know what? I'm proud to say, uh, uh, I love taking, you know, the, uh, the shame out of this, but you're talking about erectile dysfunction. what's wrong with you, Eric? Oh no! I love talking about it now because I also drag my wife with me who can, who can back me up on the fact that, um, yeah, it's, a. Uh, it's a product that when used properly, which is, you know, twice a week for 15 or 20 minutes, uh, it, it,
0: it uh, maintains your blood flow incredibly well. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm glad you're you're bringing the shame out of it because I've told people I've taken Viagra and the problem with Viagra is it's so damn expensive. It's unless you have a coupon, it's like 400 bucks for like 10 pills. And you're like, that's what it costs for like a dinner and a movie. I mean, this is expensive. <laughs>
1: But, well, you know, Vi- Viagra is a is a is a great invention, but the problem is it's a drug, and you're 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 a human. You, you don't you don't know how it's going to really affect you long term, and uh, it uh, it does work. Let's not badmouth Viagra. It's a it's a it's a little blue miracle for some people. So that's so that's cool. But this is much cheaper. It belongs to you. You can use it forever, and uh, and. Uh, it also works. It, it, it's, uh, it's, um, it's maintenance on the, on the situation. So it's not like a, um, it's not like a instant gratification thing. It's, it's like, it's like working out. You have to work out every day to have a body while you, you, you use this twice a week. And, um, you maintain your blood flow, dude. That's what it's about.
0: <laughs> now, I, I want to talk about your career. I mean, as I said, I'm a fan. I Actually, I started, I really got to know of you when I was in college and I saw Star 80 and you were amazing. What got you into acting? What led you down to the road to become an actor?
1: As a little bitty boy, I had a terrible stutter. It was really bad where I would read in class in the first or second grade how he, At first, where I would learn, uh, I would I would learn what I had to say, and then I could say it without stuttering. Me. And then I started to, to to apply that to acting. So so I had a place I could talk, and then I started to uh, to really enjoy the acting part of it. And then I got very good at it. And then I decided, you know what, this belongs to me, and uh, I decided it's going to be my life, and. Uh, Back, back, back to why I have stayed and married for so long. You know, my wife uh, has an identical background in uh, in uh, in, the, in the theater as I do. So we kind of bonded over that early. And uh, because your people don't have that background, and uh, and uh, wow, wow, oh wow, you did that. I did that too. Wow. And so we uh, we we made friends over that. And. Uh, my wife is also there's there's a movie called Love Is a Gun. My wife is one of my favorite actors. It was me, her, and Kelly Preston made a movie called Love Is a Gun that she just is miraculous and I always like to brag on her in this movie, and uh, and we uh, we 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 stay together because we're very much alike, even though she's smarter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so you sat there, you, you got into theater. Now, did you go to New York? or Because I know you grew up in Atlanta, I believe.
1: Yeah, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my parents ran an acting school called the Actors and the Writers Workshop. And uh, it was funded in part by the Martin Luther King Foundation. And we toured the underprivileged areas all week and had theater in the park on the weekends. We have patterned it after Joe Pat's theater in New York, the Apollo Theater. And uh, that's how I grew up. I was doing... 8 to 12 plays every year of my life from the time I was like 5 years old. And, uh, uh, then, uh, at, uh, 18, I came to New York and, uh, got very lucky, you know, I met, I met, I met Joe Papp, uh, got in his repertory company a little bit, it did, it did a lot of stage readings for him, uh, did, did my first play at the public theater called, called Rebel Women, uh, that was, there was a very long play about the Civil War, and, uh, had a couple of monologues in that so I thought I was uh, I was a New York State star instantly. Wow I've arrived you know and uh, uh, I, yeah and uh, I've just been fortunate because there's a lot of great actors who don't who don't get to uh, to work as much as I do and uh, a lot of it is luck my man a lot of it.
0: Well, you you know you sat there your your movie debut. But the star was King of Gypsies. That must have been a, a great thing because you were a younger guy. It seems like you weren't in New York for that long. How did that come about? How did you become a star of a movie and had a great cra- a cast at such an, at such a young age?
1: Well, um, uh, Peter Moss had uh, written a new book. It was his uh, his uh, his book after struggle called King of the Gypsies, and uh, Paramount bought it and uh, they hired you know, Frank Pearson to uh, to write the screenplay and also direct it, and they wanted a big star to star in it, and Frank said, no, I want an unknown. I wanna go find somebody. So they said, okay, Frank, go find somebody. And after a bunch of auditions and a screen test, he offered the part to me, and um, that just started my life in movies. And uh, that was, my screen test for that was January of 1978. And the movie came out in December of 78. So so that was my year of arrival. It was 1978.
0: Now, as a young actor, what's that like? All of a sudden, you're on a set. It's not like you're in background. It's not like you're a supporting guy. You're with Lee. What is that like? I mean, what goes through your mind when you're stepping on set? Are you intimidated or are you pumped because, you know, this is what you've waited for? I always wonder what goes into the psyche of an actor when they're new and they get this great meaty role. Right. Well, my first movie
1: was really spooky because it was Shelley Winters, Sterling Hayden, Susan Sarandon, Judd Hirsch, and Brooke Shields. That was my cast. And then it was me introducing Eric Roberts. I was green. I was scared every single day on that set. But all those actors were good to me, especially Susan and uh, and, and the Shelley and Sterling. They were good to me. They just took care of me. and. Uh, and especially Sterling, he was so kind to me, and uh, and uh, these very famous, very established people were uh, treating me like a peer, and so I they they kind of made me feel that I had arrived. Eric, you're one of us. Come on in, pal. And it was just they were they were wonderful to me because I was frightened every single day of that movie.
0: Now, the thing I always, I always think about is, you know, you, you're, you're in that movie, and it's a, it's a great movie, and you do a great job. Where do you go from there? Like, you know, I always talk to musicians who have a great hit album, their first album out of the box. And then there's the, you know, people who are doing the pressure, like you have to repeat that. How do you decide on your next role after that? Because you're coming from a big production.
1: Well, I went back to the theater because of the quality of a play. It was a two-character play. It was called Mass Appeal. It was, it was about it was about a priest and a seminarian. And uh, I was seminarian, and uh, Milo O'Shea was the priest. And it was off-off Broadway. It was a 99-seat house, and it was such a hit. They would line up around the block to, uh, to buy tickets. It was such a hit that we got a Broadway offer. We're going to Broadway. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. We're going to, we're going to go to the, to the booth theater, I think, originally, which is also a small Broadway house. It was going to be so exciting. Oh, my God. I can Can you believe it, Milo? And Milo said, oops. I his dying to do my fair lady with Rex Harrison behind your back. Sorry. So they wanted to uh, to recast Milo. And I said, no, he made it a hit. I'm going to wait for him. So I went off and I did Raggedy Man while he was on tour for a year with uh, with uh, rex harrison and uh, then after raggedy man i had a car accident and i was in a coma for a for a little bit and uh when i when i came out of the coma i had some bad and short-term memory issues and uh i was i was i was i was physically hurt I was physically i was i was i was like physically different so um a lot of recovery involved in that and uh and then, um, and then, and then I did. Um, uh, then I did Star
0: Eighty. Yeah, that was my next movie. Now, Star Star Eighty. You, you know, you play a jerk. I mean, let's get real. The guy was an ass. How do you How do you sit there and get ready to prepare? I, you're an actor. I know you prepare, but to know that you're playing something that no one's going to like you, and also that it's based on someone that actually lived. How does an actor prepare for that?
1: Well, when it's, it's somebody who actually lived, you have a, you have you have lines that you have to stay inside of. You can't cheat and do and do your own 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 imagination of what of what of what you might do under certain circumstances because it's stay inside of. So that's one your constriction. Then then confinement. Then the, then uh, then then you uh, uh, you just have to have to decide. Um, you have to leave yourself at home, and I know that sounds like a very broad, obvious, silly statement, but it's not. You really have to decide that uh, you are something that you're not, and you have to be comfortable with it and accept it. That's why when I play a bad guy or I play likable, I don't play them as a bad guy or dislikable. I... Play them as a guy who is very proud of himself, very self-content, very self-self, has, has, has a lot of self dignity, self-pride, what have you. Because, you know, bad guys are only bad because they have to be in their own minds. They aren't bad because they want to be. I have to do this. It's not a good thing. But if I don't do it, it, it won't get done. So, so, you know, everybody has an excuse for why they do things that aren't cool. And uh, so they don't—they don't feel like bad guys. And when you're a jerk, you're the last person to ever know that. So you can't play, jerk them. <laughs> you can't play jerkdom. You just have to find it. You have to find what it is. And uh, it, it's like—it's like—it's like playing love. You can't play the
0: result. You have to play the journey. Well, it's the same thing. Well, you Does that
1: know make what? Sense you, pal? What's that? Does, does that make sense to you? Oh,
0: yeah, totally. Because you said you have to be beyond, outside yourself because you're a nice guy. And you have to sit to remember you're an actor. And, and it's true. I mean, it goes to every role. And you're right. Every role changes. Now, I, I know, you know, the role that, I don't know if you know this. I mean, I'm sure you do. But the movie you co-starred in with Mickey Rourke, The Pope of Greenwich Village, you know, I graduated college in 86. And that came out in 84. And we all knew it. We all knew that movie. When we did stand-up comedy, we used to battle at the... Diner in Philadelphia, like who did the better, better Eric Roberts in Pope of Greenwich Village? What is it like when you're in a, a movie that has just become such a cult classic? Do people still come up to you and say, "Pauly, oh, Charlie," the, the finger and all that? What What is it like?
1: Well, you know that movie only got a very limited release, and uh, that was also back in the days so when movies went when when the movies went to a video very. Quickly, they were they were they were considered bombs. That 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 movie was not a success at the box office, but it became a success. It became a huge blood bluster of a of a success on video. So it was slowly over the years that 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 that, 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 that we got that following. It was not instantaneous. In fact, uh, I was known much more for a runaway train that, that, that came like five years after that. For many years, up until about ten years ago, and about ten years ago, what they know me for, you know, most now is uh, is Pope because uh, the dads told their sons, and the sons t- t- told their friends, and so it it it, it like young generations completely. And now you have a whole young generation that all saw that movie because of their dad saying, oh, you're going to love this movie. And, uh, and that's, that's, how, that's, that's how that happened. It was, it was, it was not how it, how it might look from the outside looking in that, oh, it was a hit movie that everybody loves on video. No, it was, it was, it was not a hit. It was, it was not even a hit on video up until a lot of time passed. And then it went through the roof.
0: Now, when you're on set, and you're doing the scene where you your fingers cut, your thumbs cut off, they got your thumb. How do you add just realisticness to that? Because it's you, you sit there and you go, holy crap, this guy actually lost his thumb. When in fact, we know you didn't lose yeah. your thumb. But how do you, as an actor, how do you, it's not like an emotional scene, it's like losing a body part. How do you put yourself in that mind frame?
1: I love hearing that from you. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, well, you know what? That was easy because they take my hand against that 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 fence. They had me against the fence. They stretch out my arm, and I asked the actor who who was holding my hand. I said, "Just squeeze my thumb. Don't like to don't don't twist it. Just squeeze it." And I just imagined they're cutting off my thumb and. Just the image of that happening was all I had to have as Oh my God, they're taking your body apart. And uh, and it, it was it was frightening for me, just 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 to imagine with those with those you know big old Italian guys holding me, and uh, and uh,
0: it was just imagination fun. It was it was it was playing the cowboys and Indians at eight years old only as a twenty seven year old. Now was that a fun role to? Uh... To play because you have some great dialogue. You know, you have the dialogue when you're talking about. You always had good seats to Sinatra and all this. Did you? Was that just a fun role? At, and it's it's still early in your career. You already had some great roles, but you come from you know playing a you know a jerk in a, in Star Eighty. Then you're playing this guy who people people like you. I mean, what is that like? Was that a was that a fun time on set? It was. It was the. Hardest,
1: most fun I've ever had on a set. No, it was it was the second hardest, uh, the uh, the second hardest, and the most fun ever on a set. And also, you know, Mickey and I bonded. You know, Mickey and I, you know, uh, we uh, we bonded. It, it was we have completely different acting styles; they're opposite styles. So uh, we uh, had to really come come together, as they say. And uh, we, we uh, we've. We've known each
0: other now how long when that movie came out? 80, 84 said, when
1: 84, did come out?
0: 80 eighty four you said, eighty five? Eighty four. Eighty-four. Long time. Now you at this point in your career, are you are you getting offers or you are auditioning? like runaway train? How did that come about? How because you know he ended up getting nominated for an Oscar, which I want to ask you how that felt. But how did Runaway Train come about? And how was it like being in a movie with John Voight? Well uh,
1: those those uh, those those are producers, um Menachem Golan and what what's the other guy's name? Um Menachem Golan and Yeah, it's Golan something. Lovis. I I I oh, forget. Anyway, so uh, they they just they, uh, they, uh, they sent they 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 me the script and the only thing that altered you know with an offer and the only thing about it is uh he was kind of a tough thug my guy he was a tough thug kind of a dumb gun kind of a kind of a new kind of a tough guy and i said but he's in for statutory rape so we have to be careful because if he's you know this kind of guy that's not attractive and it's not it's not it's not anybody anybody can you want to relate to i said can i alter him and make him a country bumpkin, and they can talk like this, so, well, I don't know how old she was, good grief, you know, he's, he's an innocent who did something wrong, as opposed to an asshole who did something wrong, and uh, they allowed that, and I, and I, and I think why they allowed it is because our, uh, our, our, uh, our director was Russian, so, so he, he, uh, he couldn't hear accents, he didn't know what it was, he said, <laughs> yeah, so whatever you want, you gotta do it, it's okay, and uh, I don't, I don't think he knew what I was doing really, That that, that, that that change about their role, but that uh, that came about with an offer. And what's also interesting about that movie is 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 we were supposed to shoot it in Montana, and we arrived in Montana around Valentine's Day of that year, and it thawed that year. It was no ice after about ten days there. So um, the uh, the uh, producers said, "Well, it takes place in Alaska. Let's shoot it in Alaska." And they moved us all up to Anchorage instantly. So we got about 12 days behind right away because of the big move. But we had our snow. We had our railroad track. It was just ours for, a, for, for a 14 miles coming and going. And uh, we shot a movie.
0: Now, you got nominated for an Oscar. What is that like when you get the call? Is that like the, uh, the apex of a career? Like You're like, oh, my God, my work, hard work has paid off. Well, when you first
1: get the nomination, it's the most incredible thing to ever happen to any moment of your life, except maybe birth, marriage, or the birth of a child. It is up there with those things. It's incredible. I was told in a donut shop, Eric, you just got nominated for the Academy Award. Oh, my God, I bought everybody a donut. That was (laughs) was my celebration. And uh, uh, it was the most fantastic thing in the world. Everybody knows who you are for that whole month. You are Hey, Mr. Roberts. Good luck on the Oscars. Everywhere you go, no matter where you are, and uh, then the Oscars come and you lose, and everybody stops speaking to you that day. <laughs> so, so it's uh, it's very cut and dry. If you bring home the Oscar, you are a hero, and if you don't, oh well. And uh, and you don't really worry about winning or losing when you're nominated. It's just a great to be nominated. But then when you lose realize, oh, I wanted to win. But you only realize that after you lose. You don't you don't like wanna win an Oscar. Oh my God, I gotta win this thing. You just, oh my God, I got nominated. That is so cool and you're so freaked out about that that it's enough up until it's not enough.
0: Well now you, you mentioned earlier in the very beginning of the show about going to the gym and how you missed the gym. And you know, I know you like to work out when you did best of the best, did you have to bulk up for that, and did you have to learn the martial arts, or did you know them? Uh,
1: no, I had I, I I've been kind of a half-assed martial artist you know for a while, but uh, we we of course did the, did the training for all the fight scenes because you know fight scenes in movies are basically dances, and uh, and you know you like have your moves and everybody does it you know, the same every time, and. Uh, and uh, so, so it's not, so in all martial arts movies, except maybe Bruce Lee's, they're all dances, and they're all, and they're all you're choreographed, they are non-improvisational because, because, you know, you're, you're there, you're for the camera and it has to look real. So it's, so it's all about the angles and, uh, and it's time consuming. Let me tell you.
0: you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh. Okay, I, I, I thought you said, let me tell you. I thought you were going to tell me how time-consuming it was. Um, so, you know, you have had... <laughs> threw me off. So, you've had this great career. Now, you also, you know, you've done some great movies that people really don't know about as much, but were very, you know, at the time, very important. You did It's My Party with Gregory Harrison, and that, that was an impactful movie. What was it like playing a role like that that made a difference? You're so nice
1: to, uh, to put it like that. Thank you so much. Um... Gregory Harrison is a phenomenal actor, and uh, Gregory Harrison bonded really heavy in that movie. We're playing our boyfriends, and uh, I was playing, you know, the uh, the guy who uh, who uh, uh, yeah. Gregory was playing the guy who, uh, who wrote the script, Randall Kleiser, and I was playing his uh, his former lover who uh, who uh, committed suicide because he had AIDS. And uh, but uh, before he but. Uh, before he uh, he kills himself he throws he throws a three-day party and invites everybody he ever loved or has unresolved issues with everything so he can take care of his life and sew it up like a button and uh, and uh, uh, it's called It's my party I'll die if I want to is, is the underneath meaning and uh, and uh, Gregory Harris and I and George Siegel were three I think, the only uh, heterosexual men on that set. And Gregory and I had to kiss. So it was a little it was a little of a little funny feeling, you know, these two these these two straight guys have used a to a romantic kiss. Kevin pulled us off and of course we didn't practice. And then came time for the kiss and I gotta something that I learned that day about two men kissing. We were men. And you go to kiss another man, you volley for outside lip position because that's what you're used to. So after you, after you settle with that, you like you like find who has you know lips where, and then you accidentally touch tongues because you know the tongue just reacts that like, way. Oops! So you pull your tongue back, <laughs> and then you and then, and then and then and then you take this kiss, and the whole time, wow! How does this look? And, and it's about a twenty second kiss. It's a real kiss. Then we unlipped lock and the, uh, the director called cut and the cast and the crew applauded so we knew we got away with it. But uh, it was it was it was it was different for me.
0: <laughs> now, you know, you've been working for so long, you know, and In the middle, like, and you know, you're working a lot. Does it ever get, did it ever get feel like in like 2000 and around then or late 90s? Did it ever start feeling it was getting a little monotonous? Did did you want to take a break? Because it seems like, you know, people will be an accountant for 20 years or wherever long, and they like, after a while, they need to take a break. Did you ever feel like you wanted to take a break from it, or did you just love it that much that you said, I, I just, I could never leave this? Oh,
1: yeah, here's the story. So so, 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 1993, my wife says to me, Eric, if you could do anything every day of your life, what would it be? I'd say, well, I'd be on a movie set. She goes, that's not going to happen. And then <laughs> 2003 comes, and she goes, you know, everybody's starting to, to buy their own cameras with, with uh, them uh, taking a film away from us. And by 1995, 6, 7, 8, we're getting, oh, an average of maybe... Twelve offers every single day from all over the world because everybody has their own camera and everybody's making their own movies and they're all calling for me. So she said, you want to go do this?" I said, "Yeah, let's go do this." I could be in a movie set every day. She goes, "Pretty much." I said, "Okay, let's go do this." So we started. We saw the world for free. I mean, I mean literally, and uh, I had a blast. And that's and and I and I started making, you know. 40 movies a year
0: <laughs> now now how would you how would you pick the roles I mean, Was some of it because the role was great some of it because the location was great because you know if someone says you can play this role which is pretty meaty in you know the Bronx or you can play this role that's not as meaty but in Croatia I mean most people are going to do croatia I mean how did you pick what you would would you would take on well over this
1: over this 15 18 year, year period it's it's altered it was at LA, LA first it was just you know the part and the role the character the the dialogue and then it became stuff like really they're shooting there oh I'd love to go there <laughs> it became it's, 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 it's stuff like He's got he's got thirty six wardrobe changes and they're all in Brioni suits. Yeah, I'll do that movie. I mean, it became it became just just fun stuff. Finally, it became just uh, they're calling him for me. Well, let me see what's good about this project. And it, it could be anything from the uh, the location to the co star to the director. To the clothes, to all kinds of ridiculous, silly, fun stuff. I just had fun, and uh, and and I stopped being the uh, the it had to be for art guy, and I started being the it had to be for fun guy. And the uh, the uh, the uh, the wife is my brains, so I had her to depend on. So I kind of had it made, and I just had a great time and saw the world for free. Like I said.
0: Now, what were some of your favorite places? What, If you could say your three top uh, favorite places to shoot at that time, what would they be?
1: Well, there are favorite places for uh, for different reasons. There are your main cities, like there's uh, London, Rome, Paris, and New York. Those are great places. They're fantastic for food. They're fantastic for, uh, for stuff to go do. They're fantastic for uh, people. They're fantastic. But then there are places like... Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, this little fishing village, there, uh, there, that's just, that's just precious beyond belief, but there are no people, so, so there are great places for all kinds of different reasons, but, uh, but probably my favorite place in the whole world that has, like, has, like, people and food and, and the mass transit is probably New Orleans, uh, I love that city. I I um uh, I lived there as a little boy, and I just love that city so much. And uh, it's finally come back. Uh, it was it was it was a lot of years. It was a real mess because of you know Katrina, but it has come back and it is glorious. The only thing that we have to all worry about with uh, New Orleans is uh, the uh, termites there. They're destroying the French Quarter. But I
0: love New Orleans. Now you know you've done so many movies, but you know in 2002 you did a uh, sitcom, Less Than Perfect. It It was a very popular sitcom. What drew you to the sitcom? Was it one of the things that you wanted to stay at home and you could shoot, or what drew you to that world? Because you're you're been you know a movie guy and a drama guy. What what drew you to that that show?
1: My wife taught me into it. My wife you know grew up. Her, her mom was a was a sitcom writer, and her uh, her, uh, her 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 dad was a movie script writer and so she uh, she uh, she grew up in show business, of course. And uh, she told me how much how much fun that whole life world is. And uh, she was right. You only work like twenty hours a week, and uh, it's a it's a it's a truly you know cush, wonderful, friendly, co- co- communal life. It's it's. It's really nice. So that's why that happened.
0: Well, now you said, you know, you said you did all those years of traveling, shooting movies. When did you stop doing that?
1: I'm still doing it. Uh, In fact, up until the virus, I was on the road. In fact, my wife canceled 21 projects that uh, had to be canceled because of the virus.
0: Now, how does, this may sound like a weird question, but 21 projects, that means 21 characters. I mean, I know you're a great actor, but that's 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 learning a new character all the time. How do you get yourself I mean, how do you prepare when you know as soon as you're done, you're rolling into another project where you have to be a different character?
1: I love the mistake you're making because mistake you're making is like thinking that I'm going to be the star of all these movies and I have all these, all these all these all these all these characters I have to become and then unbecome. No, no, a lot of these movies are just appearances. I'm in it a day. I. I have to be a a senator in a suit and say i'm so glad you're all here thank you very much that's my whole part for that day so it's not it's not like i have to become other people or i have to go to i have to go to a lot of wardrobe fittings and all that kind of stuff no th- th- these are these are parts that i'm offered because i'm recognizable and because you know the bank wants me in their movie
0: now, in, in 2010, you did a soap, The Young and the Restless, and every actor I talk to says doing a soap is so hard because you have to learn, you're, you have to be off book overnight and walk onto the set, and it's, it's, it's a lot of work. As someone who has, you know, I know you, your first break was in a soap opera, but as someone who acts, how do you get your chops ready for something like that?
1: Okay, hey, let me tell a little story. In 1977, I get a job on a soap opera for Paul Roush called Another World. He was the, uh, the producer of Paul Roush. He was great big in the soap world. He was huge. He hired me on Another World. I was, I was the, uh, the first Ted Bancroft. I was simply terrible. Now, now you have to know this. I'm one of my three biggest fans. I was so bad on that show that I wanted to die. And uh, and uh, Paul called me in after I've been on the show about three months. He said, "Mr. Roberts, have a seat." I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Are you a writer?" I said, "No, sir, I'm not." Then what are you doing? Are you writing your dialogue? I said, well, I don't think it's real. Well, you, you are not a writer, young man. If you have any, any question about your dialogue, you come to me. You do not change your dialogue. Okay, yes, sir. I changed it one more time. About a month later, he calls me. And if you change your dialogue one more time, I'm going to let you go off this show. I'm going to fire you. Okay, yes, sir. Right. About about three months passed. I changed the line dialogue. He, and he calls me in. And he fired me. Okay. He told me that I was not right, arrived. He gave me plenty of warning. I'm out. So about a month later, I got my first movie. I was very lucky. But anyway, the whole point is about 20 years later, he calls me and he says, I need you to come to my show for ratings. Come on, buddy. So I went back on his show as a friend. And once again, I like my acting. I like my work. I'm, I'm half the time. You're very proud of myself. I was terrible again, really terrible in that I was just bad. I mean, I, I, I didn't have a hold of dialogue and have a hold of the character and I was just bad. And, uh, but Everybody seemed to be okay with it, but as far as I was was concerned, I was embarrassed.
0: Now you also, you know, you you did a great—you did a great job with Heath Ledger. What was it like working with him, and then knowing at the end he won the Oscar for that? It must be something that, as a as a fellow actor, it must be a really good feeling.
1: Well, I heard lots of rumors about Heath that he was. He was he was a method actor and, and he was into the park hard to approach and all this weird stuff. And then I get on set with him and we had you know five scenes together, you know two scenes alone. And uh, I, I get I get on set with him and he was he had such humor. He was sweet. He was he was approachable. He was nice to everybody. He was a guy. And uh, in fact, you know that huge monologue he's got with all his bad guys around the table. He walks on set, we have rehearsal, he goes to the whole monologue, and then he turns all and says, how am I doing? And <laughs> we all cried up, you know. And uh, he was just a lovely, lovely, sweet, giving person. And uh, not at all the uh, the tormented actor I've been I've been warned about. He was not at all like that. He was lovely. Now, he's, he's a big loss.
0: Now, it's funny, you know, as I said, you're, you're one of those people that you always see on TV, and my wife is a a huge fan of Suits. And I never really watched it with but then, you know, I'd walk by, and I'd see you on it, and it's one of those things, I said, well, I gotta watch this. It's Eric Roberts. It, it must be cool to be in a show like that that has a little, has a cult following, and it's just, you play, it's, it's just a slick show. It must be good to be on a slick show.
1: I loved everything about that show. I loved the script. I loved the costumes. I loved the cast. I loved the location. That was a vacation, that show. It was so much fun. The only hard thing about that show is those, is those writers are really good writers, and they love hearing themselves write, and they write a lot of dialogue, so, so, uh, so when you get script changes, you get script changes, and you have to go home and do homework, that's the hard part about that show, I don't know how Gabriel does it, because he's got tons of dialogue every single day,
0: but um, they do it, I mean, they did it, they were great. Now, it's so funny. As I say, I'm a big guy on IMDb, and and you're right. You know, I sit there and it goes through the pre-production and post-production of, of your movies, and it's just like more than most people even have on their IMDb page. Um, what, uh, what, what? I know you were supposed to have a movie coming out soon. What was that movie? What's it called, Elijah,
1: our new
0: film?
1: Uh, Inside the Rain. Inside the Rain, right. Inside the Rain, uh... Aaron Fisher, really cool subject matter, dude. About you know taking you know you know you know you know taking psychotropics for Prozac, uh, for uh, for uh, bipolar and what have you, and uh, just 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 a really necessary movie right now to understand this whole world that everybody's in with uh, with the psychotropics.
0: Now, are you more slanted to take a role like that 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 makes a difference and makes a statement than take in, in this part of your career or taking a different role? I mean, do you try to find roles that can make a difference because you're a respected actor and you have a following. I've worked so
1: much and I get so many offers every day now, and I say yes to so many things uh, that, uh, that 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 you know. I I, I I'm I'm an I. I think my wife, who's also my manager, has cre- cre- created a category of our own where where I'm where I'm where I'm you know concerned because I'm still I'm still a viable name, but I will go help in student filmmakers and uh, and um, uh, you know most actors won't 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 go do that and uh, and I will I will also make a movie that's got a. That's got a that's that's got a fifty thousand dollar budget for the whole thing, and uh, and make 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 myself affordable for them, you know. So so you know, I just love this industry. I love artists. I love filmmakers. I love actors. I I, I, I love I love crews. I'm in I'm in you know, the right world for me. So I'm just exploiting the hell out of it. <laughs>
0: yeah I also know you're a supporter of animal rights. When did you start into that uh, following that passion?
1: my whole life my uh, my uh, my grandfather raced horses, so I was around animals from the from the get go only i didn 't like how people were with other animals i didn 't like how people treated animals and I realized that uh, I had a different feeling about them that they were just like me they just had another language and uh and so, from 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 your know, cognizance up until last night, uh, animals, uh, you know, get 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 my total and absolute support and uh, and love and affection, and we have tons of them on our premises.
0: Now, before we go, I just want to ask you: uh, videos. You got involved shooting videos, and they're for big artists. How did you get involved? I'm shooting videos because videos are so cool. Like I'm an MTV guy. I, I, I'm MTV generation. I love videos. How did you get involved with videos?
1: My, uh, my stepson is a musician or Keaton Simons. Uh, go, uh, go, uh, uh, go to my website, Eric dot com. There's a link to Keaton K E A T O N Simons on there. There's also Keaton Simons.com. He is my favorite singing songwriting guitar player. And, uh, he told me he told me he, he loved the killers, he he loves Mariah, and uh, he's the one
0: who, who, who tells me what the videos to go do. So I just do what he tells me. That's great. You know, Eric, I want to thank you for coming on today. It was a pleasure talking to you. I've been a fan for a long time, as I said. I remember still, you know, I still, I put, put on public Greenwich the other night. I was flipping around, and I was like, hey, it's on cable, I'm going to watch it. This is one of those nights that, you know, I live in New Jersey now, I'm not L.A., so we're getting cold nights. So I... uh I watch it. So I want to thank you for coming on. And uh, the website is ericrobertsactor.com. Your Twitter is at ericroberts. Do you tweet a lot? I do. I do. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I am a tweet guy. I'm kind of embarrassed to say it. But yes, I do. So people, go look up Eric Roberts on IMDb. Follow him on Twitter, at ericroberts. Go to his website, ericrobertsactor.com. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 790 episodes email me at cooper and twitter i'm cooper talk and remember i'm steve cooper i'm only as hip as my guests don't forget drink your water eat your vegetables take your vitamins and i'll talk to you guys next time